0: Good morning, church family and friends and, and guests. I, I really like what Denny was saying. Totally resonate with that. Uh, we're we're here for you all. Um, we love you all. I think it's really important for us to talk and stay together and, and process this, all everything that's happening together. Last month I I've been preparing actually to take our our church through a book of the Bible and uh and <laughs> today it was gonna start. Um and then and then May twenty fifth came and another video came and the world was protesting and literally on fire and and so on Tuesday during staff meeting, um we're looking at each other over Zoom and it's like Maybe we need to put the study on hold, you know, and uh, I think we need to talk about what everyone is talking about. Um, and it, it feels good to do that um, together. But but here's the thing, we don't want to talk about the stuff that you can get from the news, you know. Um, I mean, here in this space is where we talk about scripture and Christ and what that means for ourselves and the world that we live in. And so here is where we process everything that's happening, but we do it in light of God's word. Um, so this is, you know, sacred space for that kind of activity and, and what we do here is really important. Um, so let me frame the next series like this during this next series. We're going to find a um, a response to everything that's going on, but a response in faith. Like, what is what is what is the Christian response to everything that's going on? Uh, okay, let me put it like this: I, I I want I want to be respectful of the office. Okay, so I want to be careful, but okay, but this is an honest question. Last week, our, our president somewhat awkwardly um, held up, you know, held up a, a Bible, you know, and, uh, and posed for a photo op in front of a church. And my, my question is that, and it's kind of framing the series, you know, my question is if President Trump really knew the God of the Bible and what, 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 what the book that he held really teaches, you know, would, would he have tear gassed? peaceful protesters to clear a path for the photo op. And so my, my question inherently is if if you really hold this book the right way, if you, you know, really hold it the right way, then how would that cause a person to walk, especially during this time? This is a series. It's for Christians. It's also a series for people who don't identify as Christians and if you don't identify as a Christian, this is for you, um, because as we explore, as we wrestle with the principles that are in this book and how it applies to this time, I think you're going to find the principles to be very surprising and uplifting, very challenging as well. And for those of you who have been Christians for a long time, I'm, I'm wrestling I'm wrestling with all of you in terms of what it what it means to follow Jesus, the God man who leveraged everything he had, every vestige of power and privilege, gave it all up out of love for other people now, you know if Jesus Christ had just stayed in heaven, you know uh didn't want to engage, never came down, never made himself available to die on a cross, just stayed in heaven, then by all means, you know, we should do nothing. We should, we should not engage. Right. But, but genuine question, what do you do when the God that you believe in leaves all of his comfort behind and all this privilege behind and then turns to us and says, follow me. Well, that's an honest question. And I don't know. it. If when I ask it during this time, you know, it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. But I think this series that's that's coming our way is it's it's designed to ask some good questions, some some we're going to do some soul searching. And um, in short, the questions and the conversation, well, I guess, you know, you should feel uncomfortable and maybe I wouldn't be a very good pastor if um, I didn't. Try to guide us all in some healthy discomfort. But my question for the series is what is an appropriate faith response, a Christian response to everything we see happening around us? All right, so this is the first installment, right? And so we haven't figured everything out because we just kind of, you know, decided that we want to address this, you know, uh, I think this past week. Um, So I don't know what message number two or three is, but I have a good sense of what the first message should be. Um, And so here it is. So if the question is, what's the appropriate faith response? uh, I would say this. You guys ready for this? Um, We should care. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me reframe that to sound a little bit more spiritual. <laughs> uh, what is the appropriate response to a person as a person of faith to all that's happening? Well, it's it's to lament. Some of you are like what? What uh, lament? That's it. Wait a second. Please don't knock the power of lament. Dangerous things happen when they come from a heart that really, really, really cares. Do we want action? Yes, of course. But the heart needs to go first and then the hands and the feet will follow. So it starts with lament, lament. As Josh said, did you know that one third of the Psalms are laments? Did you know that? The West does not really understand lamenting. West, Western people, we really don't get it. The people in the West will hear like good lamenting and they'll say, huh, that." That sounds a lot like complaining to me, you know? Uh, I heard one Bible teacher put it like this. You know what complaining without faith is called? It's called complaining. You know what complaining with faith is called? Lament, you know? Uh, lament, okay, here's, here's the simplest definition of lament that I have found. I'm, I like this. Lament is talking to God about pain. Maybe you want to repeat that after me. Lament is talking to God about pain. Lament is processing pain with God. Now, it it can be personal. It's like your pain or it can be communal. Shared pain about racial injustice towards African-Americans. Lament. now. Here's the thing, when people undergo sorrow, there's this temptation to turn away from God. But lament is an invitation to take that sorrow and to talk to God about it, to process it with someone who will not only one day turn that sorrow into joy, but you bring it to someone who completely understands and shares that pain with you. Again, people in the West are not so good with lament. People from my culture are not so good with lament. People in the Psalms, like King David are amazing with lament. Jeremiah is a Job. These people in the old Testament in the Bible are so good with lament, but perhaps did you know the most amazing lamenter was Christ himself. If you have a Bible, you, you can hold it the right way. And, uh, you can open your Bible to John chapter eleven, okay. And um, I like to tell you the story of where Jesus Christ does something that you just are you not expecting Him to do it. Um, Jesus was very close to a particular family, and when he had free time, just to relax. Jesus seemed to prefer to relax with this particular family. Now, when the brother in this family was sick and near death, all the sisters had to say to Jesus through a messenger is that the one you love is sick. And Jesus knew who that was. Now, Jesus very intentionally arrives late on the scene, and this is what happened. We're going to pick up the story at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Now that word deeply moved is embrima omai oh my, embrima omai. Oh my. I'm going to get back to that in one second. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Deeply moved, embrima omai means deeply moved. It means to feel something deeply, strongly, move with so- profound sorrow at the death of his friend and at the grief of his other friends have suffered. In addition, in addition, the sorrow was intermixed with anger at the evil of death. Okay. One Bible teacher described Ibrima mo'ai, imbrima omai, as weeping buckets. Now, whenever I, I think of this, I think of a mother at a funeral I attended who lost both of her twins and, and she got up and she didn't do the polite, stoic Asian thing. It was kind of like she got up and like, I'm going to tell you what's going on inside. And she, she I can still hear the, the weeping and the groaning. And oh, oh. Embrima, oh my, deeply moved. Now, let me just freeze this moment of Jesus weeping. And if you really think about it, this is very profound. And it's a very profound and puzzling thing because Jesus is not an ordinary man. This is the man who in the next scene after this, is going to walk up to the tomb where Lazarus is buried. Say three words. He's going to say, Lazarus come out and Lazarus is going to walk out of the tomb still with like mummy wrappings around his head and stuff. And so Jesus has authority over the power of death. And he knew he was about to bring his friend back from the dead. So the question is, why is he crying? You know, Hey Jesus, you don't need to cry. I mean, in a minute you're going to bring him back from the dead. Your grief is not necessary. I mean, if you know in the next moment you're going to reverse it all, then why bother to cry? You see, this has profound implications, profound implications. I think it means that Jesus Christ is not just the God who will one day make all things right, but he is the God who is here, who sees, who deeply cares, and who weeps, who weeps. Perhaps the greatest reason why Jesus weeps is found in the next verse after, after he does. Jews said, see how he loved him? See how he loved him? Nothing says love and solidarity. Nothing says I am with you like empathy and tears. Or let me put it like this. Nothing shows God's amazing power, like bringing someone back from the dead, but nothing shows God's amazing love. Like he stands with you and weeps alongside you in empathy. And then from this love Jesus will eventually go on to lay down his own life, but it all starts with empathy and lament. When Raina and I were first married, uh, this was one of my first lessons in marriage, okay? Uh, when we were first married, you know, like, um, at the end of the day, Raina and I would sit down and, and we would just talk and it was it was great. And she would tell me, about something she was frustrated with. Sometimes it was like with me or like, this is my day at work. And so, and she was frustrated. And immediately I would go into problem solving mode, you know, kind of like you got problems. I have answers. And and so Raina, a lot of times I had to go, no, 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 stop, stop. I don't want you to solve my problem. I just want you to listen. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know? Um, I have no training for this, you know? Um, I can say that now after 15 years, when it comes to listening and empathy, I am not terrible. I have grown so much in the power of listening and empathy. um, And I still have more to grow. But it is such a powerful, powerful starting place of love. And Jesus Christ is is a man of action, and you see he springs to action the next moment, and he brings healing. But before all of that, he sees Mary weeping, and he weeps. He sees, and he weeps. He engages his heart. Jesus wept. Now, Jesus was staring into the face of evil, he was staring at death itself and he was sorrowful and he was angry. He was, he was, he was broken inside and he was indignant. Man, I got to tell you, when I saw the George Floyd video and when I saw him say, man, I can't breathe and when he was calling out for his mother and when the cop continued to put his knee on George Floyd's neck, it shook me. I mean, I, I've I've heard the idea and the concept of institutional racism. I even believed in the idea. When I saw the video, it's like I saw its face, and I just started to weep. Brianna Taylor was an essential worker, an EMT serving the community during COVID-19. Police entered into her home while she was sleeping. They found no drugs. They did not find the man they were looking for. And when they left, Brianna was shot eight times. Ahmad Arbery. When I when I saw the video, and then the shot went out, and you see the blast. You just kind of see the blast because the video kind of went sideways a little bit. And then you see Ahmad, and then the moment he collapsed and went down. I don't know why. I don't know why. But when I saw it, I started to think about how his mom. Must have saw that because Ahmad was someone's little boy. And I and me, I started to weep. Now, I know that some of you have been trying to share with us about institutional racism for a long time, and a lot of us haven't really been listening or and 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 George Floyd and Ahmad Arbery and Brianna Taylor have finally got our attention. Now, I know it's easy to have this conversation when momentum is shifting and it's much harder to have this conversation when you feel like no one cares. And so my hat's off to people who have carried this burden with patience for so long. I do have one last thought and reflection and it has to do with my race. Now, what I'm about to say is going to shock you maybe. But if you, I mean, take a good look at me. Um, I am not white and (laughs) I am not black. Uh, I am yellow. Uh, Literally, I'm actually kind of a slight tan shade of brown, but um, I'm an in-between. And here's the thing about being an in-between, like I can understand racism as a minority, but not like as an African-American. I can understand the pinch But the African American understands the chop, okay? But I have enough roots in understanding to understand racism. But at the same time, I also understand privilege and and power of being like pseudo white or the model minority, or you know. And so, and what that means that during this time, I have a choice, and I can kind of choose to hide away. you know, I can choose to kind of. I can choose to kind. Of, you know, I can choose to kind of like. You know, like kind of disappear from the, uh, from the uh, from the conversation. Um, I can shelter in place, my body and my heart. I guess is another way to say it. And so, my question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? If I follow the God Man who leveraged all his power and all his privilege, and spend it. <clears throat> <laughs> you know, I, I always tell myself, don't cry in this um, video, but I'm like, oh, no, the whole video is about Jesus' laments, <laughs> you know. Um, <clears throat> if, if I follow Jesus and he spends it all on behalf of others, then what does that mean for you and me if we follow this man? What does that mean? And, and then for those of you who don't identify as Christian, honest question. Does Jesus Christ sound like someone that you would follow? Does what he stands for and what he says and his sacrifice, does it move you? Does that sound like someone you would declare your allegiance and put your faith in? Well, this much is clear. If we want to be like Jesus in the face of grotesque evil, then we will follow what our leader did and our leader wept. He wept buckets. And so he leads us and we lament and we care too. And so um, we're going to enter into that lament now. Um, today, we, we want to do more than just talk about lamenting prayer. Uh, we wanted to do it uh, I want to remind everyone: lamenting prayer is simply—it's just talking to God about pain. It's talking to God about pain. It's processing pain with God, and that is something that you can you can do and should do by yourself. But you know, it's also something that we can do together. And so, Will Chung is going to go first, and then afterwards, afterwards, um, would he give you at home? A couple minutes to pray on your own. And uh remember it's it's lamenting prayer is talking to God about pain. Okay. So if you're watching this with members of your household, I'd encourage you to huddle together and you know get going, because we have two minutes, but you know, you also want it to be in a time of honest processing. Um, and if you feel comfortable, just take turns praying out loud, you know. Uh maybe the the oldest member of the household can go first and th- for those of you who would like a written prayer we're going to offer one on the screen during that time and and then so after after like 2 minutes of you praying on your own then then after that Terry will come back on and close our time in prayer. Whew. All right, um everyone ready to pray? Uh I'm going to turn it over to Will and he's going to he's going to lead us um in lamenting prayer. Will